good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to see you today. And can we welcome all of our campuses today? Our West Campus, Appleton Campus, Germantown Campus. Wherever you're joining us today, we're glad that you're here. We're one church, multiple locations, and uh, we're just delighted to have you at Life Church with us today. Uh, we're in our series called The Ghost, and I just want to. Um, I invite you one more time to this Wednesday night at 6.30 at the Germantown campus. Uh, we're going to have just kind of a whole Q&A, more exhaustive talk and conversation about this subject of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to be a part of that, I invite you to join me. Uh, and I think you can also check off on the backside of your communication card. That way we can make sure that child care, whatever you may need, will be available to you. And uh, so it'll be in the auditorium of the Germantown campus at 6.30 this Wednesday, and I hope that you'll be here for that time. It's not recorded, it's not broadcast, it's not online, it's just kind of an offline, very low-key. Uh, I won't even be standing on the platform, I'll be right down in the front, just kind of in a section with, with, with a group of whoever shows up, and we'll just be talking about this subject uh, more exhaustively. And so I, I hope that you'll come and be a part of that. Again, if this series is resonating with you and you're kind of wanting more information, I would really encourage you to pick up a fire Bible, a full life study Bible. It's, it's the most exhaustive reference Bible on this subject that's on the market. And you can pick that up at the Resource Center at any of our campuses. And again, we're not making money on this. It's whatever it costs. We just get it to you. My idea behind Resource Center is to put resources in your hands uh, not to make a profit, but just simply to help encourage you. I'm a pretty voracious reader. I read somewhere between 40 to 60 books a year. Uh, and Secular Sacred, the whole deal, and um, all across, and multiple journals and magazines and so forth and so on. So I'm one of those kind of people that I'm a big person on consuming a certain amount of information and growing. And so that's one of the reasons why we give you those opportunities and we promote that is because I just think it helps grow you and helps you become the self-feeder uh, on God's Word that you need to be. Well, last week I stopped and I ended with a statement that the Holy Ghost baptism does not change your personality, but it empowers you to live out your life's calling. And everybody has a calling on their life. God's put something on every one of you uh, and put a calling in every one of you to do something and to be something. And, and that's not just inside the church, that's in your life. Spirituality is not just something on Sunday morning or a Saturday evening service or at a small group. It's how we live our life and, and unto God. And so today I want to talk about um, how to do that by really talking a little bit more about the who the Holy Spirit is. And, uh, and so if you have your Bibles, if you return with me to John chapter 16, I'm going to kind of push pause on the book of Acts right now. I'm going to go back to John chapter 15. John's gospel has the most exhaustive um, conversation and reference on who the Holy Spirit is and what he does of any of the gospels. And then the book of Acts basically shows the actions of the Holy Spirit and shows the actions of the Holy Ghost and how he works and operates. And so uh, the person of the Holy Spirit is referenced 88 times in the Old Testament. He's referenced 261 times in the New Testament, so exponentially more, and we see that power there. And Jesus explains a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates. In John chapter 16, verse number 5, Jesus says to the disciples, But now I go away to him, God, who sent me, Jesus. 
And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Ghost, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Look at verse 9. Of sin, because they do not believe in me, Jesus said. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It's an interesting statement. Verse, verse number 13, however, he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, has, has come. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14, for he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus says, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you, and all the things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he, the Holy Ghost, will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, I, I want to remind you that the, the, the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is one and the same. Uh, the original word in the, in the Greek in the New Testament is pneuma, which means spirit or ghost. We typically in our context say spirit because it makes a little more sense to us. Uh, in context of ghost has more of a connotation of being something that's spooky or weird or whatever. And so, but if I say Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, it's one and the same. So the Holy Ghost is the third person of the Trinity. I want you to see that first. He's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. This isn't Luke Skywalker. Use the force Luke, right? This isn't a force. He is a person. Every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Scripture, he's given, if it's, it's singular, he's given the personal pronoun of he. That's why I kept emphasizing that every time I'm reading that in the book of John. Why? It's important because sometimes we think the Holy Spirit isn't it. It is something that operates in a weekend service. It is something that comes into our life. It is something that we're baptized with. It's, it is a force. No, no, no. He is a person. It's the triune Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three entities. One God, three distinct persons. One God, three distinct beings coming together in one. God the Father, we get that. God the Son, he comes to the earth and he dies on the cross for our sins. And God the Holy Ghost, God the Holy Spirit. And so it's important that you understand, if, not, if for nothing else, that, that cognitively that the Holy Spirit is not an it. And the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not an attribute of God the Father. It is a person of God the Father. The same way God is expressed in the Father, God is expressed in the Son, God is also expressed in the Holy Ghost. Next, the Holy Ghost is to glorify Jesus. That's his role. The Holy Ghost is to glorify Jesus. We just read it in verses 13, 14, and 15. His role is to glorify Jesus. His goal is to speak of Jesus. His goal is not to glorify himself. His goal is not to glorify the church. His goal is not to glorify a weekend church service. His goal is to glorify Jesus. Now, if you've ever been in church where this, and, and I, again, I think the reason why there's such confusion on this topic is because it is, quite frankly, so powerful in the lives of Christ followers because the value and the role of the Holy Spirit is not for the sweet by and by, but for the here and now. And I think if the enemy of your soul and my soul, Satan himself, can confuse us 
Or we can see some pretty jacked up stuff because you can got fruits, flakes, and nuts in the church. Amen? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. If you can see something crazy, you're like, man, I don't want that. I don't want it either. Can I just be honest with you? I don't like crazy Christians. Ain't nothing about crazy Christians I like. I like, okay, you go over there. And, and, and some people go, well, but at least I'd rather have wildfire than no fire at all. Not me. Not me. Wildfire will kill people. Wildfire is dangerous. Wildfire is crazy. I don't want wildfire. I want the power of the Holy Ghost. And why do we have to choose? We don't. We don't. God doesn't operate that way. God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of chaos. Listen, whenever you're in a church service or you're someplace and you go, this is weird, what's happening is the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if you're a Christ follower that dwells in you, is the warning lights going off. Get your stuff and leave. This is weird. Why? Because God doesn't operate that way. And so, and, and many, and so what happens is sometimes we've seen people say, well, that is the Holy Ghost in a church service, somebody doing something. No, 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 no. Just stop, first of all. The Holy Ghost is not a manifestation. The Holy Ghost is not just a message in tongues. It's not an it. It's a he. And so that may be a manifestation. It may be, it may be someone else's response the same way if I take you uh, and, and I, I put your hand and put about 120 volts going through you, everybody in this room will react differently. Because it's a response. But that's not the electricity. It's your response to the electricity. And sometimes we've watched and seen people do crazy things that really are bringing glory to themselves. Or churches that are really bringing glory to themselves. And we go, that's the Holy Ghost. And it's not the Holy Ghost. It's just their response. And sometimes it's their trumped up fleshly response because it's more about them. Woo, he's saying it. It's more about them than it is about him. And I think it's important that we understand, go back to Scripture. What's the role of the Holy Ghost? He is to glorify Jesus. He is to, look, look in your Bible again. Just go back just for a second. Verses 13, 14, and 15. And he, the Spirit of truth, has come, and he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but he uh, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. For he, the Holy Ghost, will glorify me. That's his role, not to glorify church service, not to grow the church. That's not his. The Bible says that Jesus is the one that gives the increase, not the Holy Spirit. Mm. Some of you, I just really messed up your theology. Well, if we could just have more Holy Ghost in a service, we'd draw more people. No. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the one that grows the church. Jesus is the one that brings increase. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? To glorify, to magnify Jesus. But I, growing up in church, have seen a lot of magnif magnification of self and of preachers and of people and of church services and of things that were it, manifestations of, and not he, the Holy Ghost. And so I just want to remind you that he, the Holy Ghost, is there to glorify Jesus, not to glorify himself. The Holy Ghost is also to convict the lost of sin. He says it right there in verse, uh, well, it goes right on, and, and he says it right there in verse number 9 and verse number 10 and verse number 11. He speaks of the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says unless the Holy Spirit draws you, you don't come to repentance. He's the one that convicts. He's the one that's there. Do we need the Holy Ghost in our services? Yes. But we don't need him for you, you and I to show out. 
we need him to show up. And when he shows up, what happens? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this next weekend, but he will draw people to him. And so, remember, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the triune Godhead, the three in one, when Jesus was on this earth, was God the Father in the form of the flesh, and the Holy Spirit resided in Jesus. What was so attractional about Jesus to lost people? Jesus was so attractional to lost people that the religious world called him, and this was profane to them, this was a a put-down to them, that he's a friend of sinners, quote-unquote. Like, like that it was some contagious disease to be around lost people. What was it about Jesus? I'll tell you what it was. It was the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Spirit. There's no religion in that. There's no selfishness in that. There's no pride in that. There's no me in that. There's no ego in that. There's just Jesus. And so when the Holy Ghost begins to convict the loss of sin, they come to faith in Christ. The Holy Ghost guides us in everyday living, according to this passage. Jesus, I love what he says to them. He says, look, you can't handle what I'm about to say to you. You can't handle the truth. Remember that? Don't act like you haven't seen the movie. So it's one of those moments where Jesus is telling them, I've got so many things to share with you, disciples, but you cannot bear it now. It's interesting. There's a timing to it. God works in timing. God works in process. And so, so the Holy Ghost is the one that guides us. Listen, God has great plans for your life. He has a great plan for my life. But we cannot handle everything if God downloaded it all to us. We don't have enough bandwidth to download that kind of data in our life. So how does God convey that to us? Through the person of the Holy Ghost. I want to look at this, how the Holy Ghost guides us in everyday living. This is really kind of the Monday through Friday, the shoe leather. First of all, the Holy Ghost gives us internal motivation and confidence. When you you have the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, he gives you internal motivation and confidence. John chapter 14, if you want to turn back a couple of pages. John chapter 14, verse number 15. Jesus says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Speaking of the Holy Ghost. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, which is another phrasing, the spirit, pneuma, of God. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. The word helper there in the the original language is the word paraclete in the Greek. And it means one called alongside to help. Now, some of your versions of the Bible will say comforter, and and I get that, but I think in the context of today's society, it's not probably the best translation of that word, and I'll I'll show you why. Because comforter has this this feeling about, like, it's soft. It's just kind of, aw. Like, your mom comforts you because when you get home from school, right, from, so here's cookies and milk, baby. Maybe that didn't happen in your world. Is it my world? (laughs) Food is my love language. Or you're sick, and your mom comforts you. Right? The, the, your bedspread used to be called a bedspread, but now it's called a comforter or a duvet. <laughs> Same thing. Comforter. Right? We, food that we like that makes us feel good, we call that comfort food. I know a lot about comfort food. And then there's a thing called southern comfort, which gives you a whole different kind of comfort that you don't need. <laughs> you know about that. Okay. My point is, is that kind of has that connotation of being something that just kind of is soft and easy and kind of like, it's just kind of like your grandmother. 
And the Holy Spirit, is when you look at him from that perspective, is there a part to that? Yes, he will console you. He will give you peace. He will, he will strengthen you. But, it's, but that, that pigeonholes him into a place that it's, he's more than that. He's one that's called alongside of you. He's one, I want you to think of it more like a coach, like a personal trainer, like somebody who is getting you up in the morning and putting you to bed at night, like someone that's there to build you up, to develop you, to mature you. That's really a better word for that word helper. That's the reason why some of the, some of the newer uh, translations will call him the helper, because we understand that he's one that helps us. He's one that walks alongside of us. He's one that develops us. He's one that grows us. Some of you wonder why you gave your life to Christ, but you're not growing, because you need the person of the Holy Ghost. I would encourage you to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you go, well, I just don't feel like I have power in my, in my Christian life, because you need one that's going to walk alongside you to help you. That's how God designed it. Not for you to start. It's kind of like, hey, I bought the car, but I've never changed oil, and I don't know why the engine has seized up and I'm on the side of the road. I'll tell you why. You didn't do what the owner's manual said. And the same is true in our life. We find ourselves spiritually seized up. We find ourselves completely jacked up, if you want to know the, the Greek Jacked up means messed up, right? I'm, just, I'm, making, I'm playing with you. But I'm just saying, we, we find ourselves, we're on the side of the road of our life, and the engine seized up because we haven't done what the owner manual said. We didn't do what he suggested. And what I would tell you is go back for yourself and read the book of John. Go back for yourself and read these passages we've been talking about in the book of Acts. The power to, to grow, the power to develop, the power to get where you want to go. Here's the beautiful part about it. It's not something that is external. It's something that is internal. And this isn't like Oprah-esque. I'm not hating on Oprah. This isn't Deepak. I'm not, I'm just, I'm telling, this isn't new age. You and I don't have the ability to motivate ourselves. You and I don't have the internal ability to do that. But when the Bible says, when we ask Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, to come into our heart, he lives inside of us. How does he do that? Through the person of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13. The working of the Holy Spirit seals the work of God. He's inside of us. And that power of the Holy Spirit, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, what begins to happen in your life is the motivation to live your life is not something that's external. It's not a stimuli that's external. It's not like I got to watch this video to get pumped up. I, I got to go to this class to get pumped up. I got to go do this to get pumped up. I, I got to do this to be motivated. I got to do this to be focused. No, 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 no. It's internal. And many times what we try to do is, if I can just get to the right person, if I could just get to the... No, 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 no. God didn't design it that way. He designed it so that you as a Christ follower would have the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Christ from the dead, that would motivate you, that would build you, that would develop you, that he would be one that would walk alongside you like a personal navigational system. And when you have that, you have motivation. You have confidence. I don't want to go anywhere alone. Great. The Holy Spirit's never going to leave you nor forsake you. I feel completely like a fish out of water, but God's called me to do this, so I have strength that's found in Him, not in me. The second thing that we see and how the Holy Ghost works in our lives as far as personal living is that He gives us insight for living. He gives us insight for living. Especially if you're looking for an edge, you need, you need to pay attention to this passage. Going down to verse 26 of John chapter 14. But the advocate, Jesus says, speaking of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, will do two things. Teach you all things 
and remind you of everything I've said to you. He'll teach you all things, and he'll remind you of everything that I've said to you. Again, these are not my words, guys. I didn't come up with this. I didn't create this. Um, this is how God works, and he's explaining himself. Jesus is revealing to the disciples, which is revealed to us, how the Trinity works, how the triune Godhead works, how Jesus and our relationship with him works in concert with the Holy Spirit that walks alongside of us. Here's what I want you to catch here. The what that you're looking for is in you as a Christ follower. When the Holy Ghost is inside of you, he will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything that Jesus said. Now, he can't remind you if you don't know what Jesus said, which means you have to read the Bible. Sorry. This isn't like osmosis, okay? This isn't like one of those deals where it's like, okay, I'm just going to give my life to Jesus, and all of a sudden, ah, the Holy Ghost, I'm going to be able to just know everything. No, no, no. You're not going to be like a stinking, walking biblical encyclopedia. I, I'm just saying, at the end of the day, what happens, though, is as you read God's Word, He will bring those things back. He will give you knowledge. He'll give you insight. He'll give you wisdom on how to live your life. Let me show you how this works. Many times in our lives, what we're looking for is if I can just be at the right place at the right time, I can get where I want to go. If I can just connect with the right people, the right doors will open up. If I can just, if I can get this degree, if, 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 if I can get my boss to be able to see this in me, if, if I can just get here, then I can get here, then I can do this. And our intentions and motivations a lot of times are, are they're good. It's not that they're bad. We, we want to we wanna grow and develop ourselves. That's a good thing. Growth is a good thing. Um, we want to uh, provide for our families. That's a good thing. We, we want to be a blessing to the church. That's a good thing. We, we want to be able to honor God with the tithe and give the missions. And do, we want to be able, it's a good thing. Um, nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But many times what we do is we dichotomize, which means we, we compartmentalize our lives into spiritual and non-spiritual. We say, well, here's the reality. Uh, I'm going to do God on my devotion in the morning, and I'm going to do God at a church service on the weekend. I'm going to have God, uh, my God time at, you know, at a life group. But everything else is just kind of family and business. So God takes care of my spiritual. I'm supposed to take care of the physical. Well, no, you're supposed to do your part, do what you can do, and God will do what you can't do. But there's a lot of things in life that we cannot do. I cannot open doors for myself. I can, but I'm going to get myself in trouble. I, I, I can't always uh, get, be at the right place at the right time. I, I, I'm not Superman. Even on my best days, I'm, I'm going to, even though most of my life I can dance through the rain and not get wet, occasionally I'm going to get drenched. How do I navigate that? How do I deal with the anxiety and the stress that comes with that? How, how do I work through that? The Holy Ghost. The Bible says that in, the, in this moment, that what happens is, is the way God works is that God opens the right doors. God's called you and I. Let's just, let's just say, God's called us. And what he's called in you to do, he's going to open the doors. But you've got to be ready. And the reality is, is wherever you are, you're there because that's what you can handle. You have what you have today because that's what you can handle. If you can handle the pay raise, you'd have the pay raise. If you can handle, I'm just telling you, we don't like this, but it's the truth. If you can handle the promotion, you'd have the promotion. If you can handle that job, you could have it. You think you can, but you can't. Because it will, it'll kill you. 
And so what happens is God's trying to grow us and trying to develop us. So the reason why Proverbs says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart and never lean to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll guide and direct your paths. So when I focus on him, the Holy Spirit will teach me all things and remind me of all things. So are you saying, because I see some 14-year-old going, that's exactly what I've been looking for. I don't have to go to school. I don't have to make good grades because the Holy Ghost is going to take care of it, Mom. No, we should, Paul says to Timothy, we should study to show ourselves approved, a workman that need not be ashamed. Don't take a passage out of context. What it is saying is that you're going to read God's word. You're going to grow. You're going to develop. You're going to develop yourself academically. I mean, even in my own life, I mean, I have an undergraduate degree. I have a graduate degree in theology. Right now, I'm working in the middle of a, of a, of a doctoral degree that, that I will have a doctorate in theology. Why? Because I want to grow. I want to study. I want to develop myself. At the same time, I'm, I'm voraciously reading. I just read a book by Harvard Business Review called Tilt. It's a great book on how downstreaming is, up, is changing upstreaming, and I'm trying to figure out how that works in the context of a local church. And, and, and the bottom line is why? Because I want to grow, I want to develop. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can do. But here's, the, here's at the end of the day. I'm only one person. I can only do so much, and I want to do great things for God. But if I get out there and try to spin my wheels and make my deals and try to make things happen, guess what happens? It's all about me. It's all about ego. And God says, peace out, Girl Scout. I will be at Starbucks grabbing a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees. And when you come to the end of your bad ego trip, narcissistic Aaron, then you call me and I'll be there. Because God wants to be the one that opens the doors. Why? Because when I try to open the doors, I get myself in trouble. When I try to shake hands and hug necks and kiss babies and try to politic my way through life, it's humanly engineered. It's manipulation. But when I go, God, I'm going to do everything that I can do to, to, to develop relationships and, and, and to network and to grow and to develop. But I'm not going to push a door. And I'm not going to do something that you're not leading me to do. That doesn't mean I'm going to lay in my bed and go, okay, God, today... Should I have Cheerios or Lucky Charms? <laughs> Always have Lucky Charms. <laughs> Always have Lucky Charms. It's Cheerios with marshmallows. Why? My point to you is, is don't get stupid. But don't try to feel like you've got to mastermind your life. God will begin to open the doors. The Old Testament. Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to anoint the king of Israel. And in that moment... He goes through every one of his sons, and he looks at Jesse, and he goes, do you not have any other sons? I mean, I know I heard from God on this one. He goes, I got one more kid. He's the youngest. He's a little bit buck wild, and he's out on the back 40 watching the sheep. And Samuel says, bring him to me. He's going to smell. Just clean him up. Bring him in here. And he does. And when he walks in the door, Samuel the prophet says, that's him. That's David. He will be the next king of Israel. I'm just telling you, when you allow the Holy Ghost to work in your life, he truly will open the doors that only you, he can open. The doors that you want to open, he truly will lead you and guide you. He truly will teach you. He truly will remind you. And when it happens like that, listen, there's no manipulation. When it happens like that, there's no question in that moment. Was this idea of this company my idea or God's idea? The Holy Ghost gives you insight for living. The Holy Spirit next also gives you power to be an overcomer. 
power to be an overcomer. I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I did last week. So if you weren't here with us last week, I would encourage you to go to lifechurchwi.com and watch this message when I talked about the power. But Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit, the power that we need for our lives comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. That's where your strength comes from. That's where your power comes from. And I want to end today with this. The Holy Ghost gives us a direct connection to God. You want a direct connection to God? You want a high-speed, broadband connection to God? The Holy Ghost is the one that does this. I'm going to take two passages here, and they're both writings of Paul. And he's writing to two separate churches who've experienced the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he's given them wisdom and how to utilize and how to uh, work in partnership with the person of the Holy Ghost. The first passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For if anyone who speaks in a tongue does not, does not speak to people but to God, and indeed no one understands him, for they utter the mysteries by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. The next pa passage is Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. In the same way, Paul says, the Holy Ghost helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Holy Ghost himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's the same ideology that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, speaking in tongues. Look at verse 27. For he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Holy Ghost. But he, the Holy Ghost, notice it's a personal pronoun, not, not an it. He intercedes for God's people in accordance with what? The will of God. So, He's talking here about praying in tongues. He's talking here about praying in, in the Spirit. Uh, talking here about the heavenly language. All three are the same. And again, I talked about this a lot last week. I'm not going to try to rehash that. But the reality is, is that tongues, which is called glossolalia, is basically a language of the Spirit. It's, it's given to you by the Holy Spirit that comes. It's accompanied with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's a, it's, it's a language that you did not learn, but it's a language that's given to you by God. It's called praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. And I know there's debate on whether that's for today or not for today. And everybody has their ideologies. Let me just stop you just for a second. But everybody in the evangelical world and even in the Catholic world believes it happened just that way in the first century. The difference between those that believe in tongues or not is not whether or not it happened the way I'm describing it. I mean, you check it with every reference. People that are as hostile to this subject matter, they all go, that's the way it happened. Yeah, they didn't learn that. They, they, it, was a, it was imparted to them by the Spirit of God. And yes, it talks about it again. And, and, and it, it's, it's, it's uh, implied in Acts chapter 6. It's implied in Acts chapter 8. It specifically says it again in Acts chapter 10. It says it again in Acts chapter 19. It says it in Acts chapter 2. I mean, we, we see this over and over and over and over and over. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he's writing to the church in Romans. How does this work? How does this operate? So nobody, nobody debates. The, the question is, is, did it die with the death of the apostles? And to that, I would say, show me a chapter and verse. It's not there. Matter of fact, Jesus says this promise of the Holy Spirit is not just for you, but for your children and for your children's children and for as many who are afar off, whoever call on the name of the Lord. 
how you want to slice and dice that, that's between you and God. Because you don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to speak in tongues to get to heaven. I'm just explaining to you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is given, is accompanied with this heavenly language. And when this heavenly language, according to what Paul's saying in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and Romans chapter 8, we'll talk a little bit more about this on Wednesday night, it is praying directly the perfect will of God. Although my mind may not understand everything that's happening, my spirit is connecting with God. He says to the church in Rome, there are times when you don't have words to express yourself, and there are these wordless groans. It's this, it's this working of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God that's inside of you, right? Romans chapter, of Revelation chapter 3, Jesus knocks on the door of every man's heart, knocks on the door, and if we will open the door and invite him in, he will come in. How does he come in? Ephesians 1.13 says, by the working of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of Christ that's in you calls out to the Spirit of God, and there is this flowing. John chapter 7 says it's like rivers of living water that begin to flow from you. It's interceding in the Holy Spirit. And there are times in our lives that we don't know what to pray. There are moments in your life you don't know what to say. There are those moments where you're like, I'm speechless, even me. And I have a very, very hard time being speechless. The power of the Holy Spirit is in your spirit begins to pray and connects directly with God and prays the very perfect will of God. Nobody, evangelical, Protestant, or Catholic, denies that that's the way Paul was speaking to that in the New Testament. The question is, is do you believe it's for you? I do. And I just kind of want to end our time today with just, you know, there are times in my life that even as a pastor, I don't know what to say. I don't know how, I mean, I, I want to help everybody. I want to fix every situation. I, 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 I want to I feel like I've got like a, an S on, on my chest below this jacket that I'm wearing. Like that I'm, I'm super pastor. I'm here, I'm like Mighty Mouse. Here I am to save the day, right? But there are moments, many moments in the lives of, of a minister. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Matter of fact, the longer that I live this life, the, the more and the longer that I serve in pastoral ministry. And it's over two decades now that I've been serving full-time at a local church. That I just go, God, I don't know what to do. And the power of this gift of the Holy Ghost, it gives me a direct connection with God. It's what's transformative. And if you haven't found yourself here, you will find yourself here. Where when the doctor walks in and gives you a report, you don't know what to say or how to pray. You have a situation with a child that you just don't know how else to deal. And there's a relationship that all of a sudden you found out that the person that you thought was faithful to you is no longer faithful to you. And you don't know what to say and do. The business partner that completely knifed you and completely just left you. The people that you thought were your friends that are no longer there. That, that inextricable loss that consumes you. What do you do in those moments? Well, I'll tell you what I do. I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. I began to pray 
in that heavenly language, I began to intercede because I don't know what to pray. I don't know what the will of God is. I, I'm not smart that smart. I, 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 I'm not that big. My bandwidth is not that wide. And all I know is in that moment that that's part of the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget being about 28 years of age, being an associate pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was on call to be the pastor of the day if there was someone that called for, uh, they needed somebody to go to the hospital. That was, we kind of did that. Everybody kind of took a day. And so whoever was on call and and somebody called the church office and, and it was a family. I had never met these people in my life. I did not know them. Uh, it was a, a family that somewhat attended the church but didn't really attend the church. And, and, and so anyhow, they, they, kind of, um, they kind of reach out to the church and say, hey, we've got a niece and her and her husband have just lost their toddler and then just a crazy freak accident. The entire family is there. And we wanted to see if there could be a pastor from the church because none of these people go to church. Quite frankly, the aunt and uncle didn't really go to church either. And could just come and pray. We don't know what else to do. And you get calls like that because there's just times where people just think like you have some supernatural power, like you've got some inside deal with God, like, you know, like all of a sudden, here I am to save the day and I'm going to have this massive word. And, and, and I wish in those moments that that were true. I wish that at Bible college, when, when they ordain you into ministry, that they give you, hey, here's a special box and here's a special book and don't tell anybody about it. And here are all the secrets to the kingdom of God. And, and so, but don't let anybody know that you have this. And, and, and so then in these moments, this is what you say and it'll make everything better. I wish it were that way. I wish it was kind of like that Mary Poppins moment. Just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down in the most delightful way. And everybody's all happy and we all sing and the musical goes on. But it's not like that. I'm freaked out. I'm 28. I'm a youth pastor. I don't know what to say in this moment. It's my day of the week to go be at the hospital for emergencies. I'm in a tie and the whole deal with my big fat neck and I'm on my way driving and I'm going, dear God, I don't know these people. I have no context with these people. I don't know anything about them. I don't know what I'm walking into. All I know is I'm going to walk into a room with a doctor that has no ability to explain. He could tell me that the child's dead. Thank you, Captain Obvious. But he cannot do anything for that family. He is done. And here I am, I'm going to be the one with this family. I don't know if this mother's going to be upset. I don't know how this father's going to react. I don't know what kind of theological questions they're going to throw at me. I don't even know if they want us to be there because the ants called and we don't know. I don't know, God. I need you to give me the words. I need you to fill my mouth. I need the incarnational presence of God to fill that room so that they sent you, Jesus, because you're their only hope. Because I'm not their hope. And all the way there, I am praying in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm praying the very perfect will of God. I'm in a point where Paul says to the church in Rome, I don't know what I ought to pray for. Because I don't know what I'm walking into. Get out of my car, go into the hospital. Go to the floor, walk in. And it is the most somber of somber. And it was like, in that moment, the Holy Spirit just kicked in. It was like, I was not me. I was an agent of God. And it was all of a sudden, there was a peace that filled the room that was beyond me. 
I don't have that ability. There was a calmness. There was a confidence that I had that didn't come from me. I didn't know them. And God begins to, the infinite God begins to flow through me, a finite, broken, jacked up vessel to give peace and hope to a hurting mom and a hurting dad. Just to speak some words of life. And I wish I could tell you I remember what I said. I don't really remember what I said. I don't even think it was that powerful. But there was this presence. There was this feeling that I don't have all the answers, but I know one who does. And I don't know the hows and the whys, but I do know one who does. No disrespect to the doctor, because I think the hands of the doctor work with the physician work with the hands of the pastor to create true healing in people's lives. Harvard released a study this year that just said that people are 80 times more likely to get better if they have a faith where the hand of the clergy works with the hand of the physician. It's no news, it's Jesus. But I do know one who has that ability. And I'm just saying to you, the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is what you and I need to live this life. He is what we need. He's that direct connection to God. And there's one other way I want to talk about, but I've run out of time, so I hope you'll join me next week as we conclude this series. But I want to pray for you right now. All of our campuses, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? I want to pray with you before your campus pastor comes. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus that you love us enough that you've given us the person of the Holy Ghost. Not for the sweet by and by, but for the here and now. Not for a church service, but for us to convict us of sin but to comfort us in moments of duress to lead and guide us to coach us to develop us to grow us to mature us to speak life into us and in those moments where we don't know what to say and how to pray the Holy Spirit begins to pray for us to that gift. I just pray, God, that you would stir in us a desire for you. A desire greater for you, for the things of you, God, for the things of God that we would pursue, God, not some manifestation, not some external, not, but Lord, to know you better, Jesus, to know the Holy Spirit better, to know God the Father better, God, I just pray that you would encourage us and minister to us. Pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today on any campus, that they would just simply, God, that they're not right with you. They would just simply just say, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And God, I just pray through the person of the Holy Spirit that you would fill their heart to overflowing with joy and with peace that only comes from you. 
I pray for every one of us that are Christ followers that we will lean to you and not to ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.